Ashley Brock reading Laura Griffin's book, Unforgivable, Chapter 11. Her shriek reached him just as he turned his back on her house and started heading back to his truck. Rick bolted up the sidewalk and tried to door. Maya! He threw his shoulder into it, but it was like, Maya, open up. No more screaming now, just signs that put the fear of God in him. He spun around the house and up the driveway. Light was on in the kitchen, casting a yellow square on the driveway. Rick pounded on the door, door then cupped his head to the glass and peered in. The kitchen was empty. He jerked the sleeve of his jacket over his first and aimed a punch at the glass. Mia walked into the room. She met his gaze through the window and moved straight for him. His heart started beating again. She looked pale and a little shaky, but she was definitely in one very nicely shaped piece. The door pulled back. He said, what happened? She shook her head and glanced around. Mia. Nothing. I just, I was standing here in the kitchen and I thought I saw someone. Where? Where? In the driveway, I was looking through the window above the sink, and a shadow moves. Stay here. Rick slid his Glock from his holster and went back out to prowl around the perimeter of her house. No shadows, no footprints, no broken windows, no cigarette butts or food wrappers or signs of anyone camped in her yard, staking out the place. The side of her garage, he found an overturned trash can, a plastic bag had been torn open in a garage garbage strewed everywhere. Rick cleaned up the mess and secured the lid back onto the can. When he returned to the kitchen, she was leaning against the sink and watching her back door, her arms folded tightly over her chest. He noted the pepper spray on the counter at her elbow. He rested his Glock on the counter and nudged her side to wash his hands. Nobody out there. He said, reaching around her for a dish. But it looks like you might have a raccoon in your trash. She stared at him, and he noticed the makeup smudges under her eyes. God damn it, she had been crying on her way home. Rick's gut twisted. He meant to coax information out of her, not make her cry. He tossed the towel onto the counter and pulled his phone from his pocket and started right. What are you doing? Call in a patrol unit. We should have one in the area. He said it was a raccoon. It probably was, but it doesn't hurt to have, have someone do a loop through your neighborhood. No cops. She snatched the phone out of his hand and disconnected the call. It's fine. There's nobody there. He frowned at her as he gently unfolded her fingers from around his phone. Her hand was shaking. Her whole body was shaking. Was this a delayed reaction to getting shot the other night? He'd never seen her so uptight, but she'd probably never been under this much stress. He put the phone on the counter, sent his hands up the backs of her elbows. His fingers stopped just shy of her bandage. She tensed. Little tremors shook her shoulders. Hey... He slid his hands up her neck, tilted her head back to look at her face. Her blue eyes were wide and watery and filled with so much anguish it made his chest hurt to see it. So instead he looked at her mouth, and when those pink lips parted, he leaned down and kissed them. Rick's tongue was, Rick's tongue was in her mouth. The knowledge was a five-alarm, sabrudio clanging wake-up call to every dormant neighbor in her body as she stood there, pressed against her kitchen sink, being kissed by him and kissing him back. He tasted hot and spicy and fierce, and he kissed her like he was starving for her. Shrunk her arms around him and leaned into him and kissed him the same way right back. Then his hand was sliding up under her bulky sweater, curling warm around her ribcage and clutching her against him as he pulled her up to her tippy toes and fed on her mouth some more. She imagined kissing him so many times, but she never imagined this. She'd never known. She'd never dreamed he could awaken every cell in her body with only his tongue and his lips and his teeth and his hands and the rock hard ridge pressing against her abdomen. His tongue tangled with hers, sweeping her mouth, sweeping her mouth, tasting her as his thumb dipped into her bra and found her nipple. His touch there was an electric shock, and she gasped, but he swallowed it. She kept kissing him, absorbing his taste and his warmth and his touch, then melting herself against him and wishing he'd never stop.
He murmured something, and she pulled back and looked at him dizzily, and then the reality of what was happening stopped her in the face. No cops. Where'd you park your car? He did but what? Where's your truck? She turned around. Is it outside? Is that the restaurant? Why? You followed me home? What? What'd you think I would do? She pulled out of his arms and looked around. The green light of her burglar alarm blinked at her. The alarm had been on when she got home, and yet someone had been in her kitchen and left a message for her right there on the table. It was a wordless message, but unmistakable. The purple Mardi Gras beads she'd last seen dangling from the rearview mirror of her Jeep could mean only one thing. The man who carjacked her had been in her house, and he wanted her to know that. He was the same man who threatened Sam, and he wanted her to know that, too. He was lethal. She had no doubt he, he'd make good on his threat if she didn't play by his rules. What is it? Rick was watching her with that intensity again. Nothing. She looked away at her gaze fell on the black handgun sitting on her counter besides Rick's phone. Rick's handgun, his service weapon, her heart lurched as she stared at it for an endless moment. No cops? She glanced up at Rick, and all the questions she'd been asking since the night of the shooting swirled through her mind, and all the mental aerobics she'd been doing to answer those questions suddenly ceased, because just like that, the answer that had eluded her for so many days tumbled into place. She understood. She under underestimated this, and she had to get Rick out of here soon, because that... Because that plan she made with Vivian wasn't going to work now. That plan could easily get her killed. She needed a new plan. And it was time to call Alex. End of chapter 11.